Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Welcome, team, to another glorious Mississippi Minute. Feels like Sunday morning. Today, I'm going next door, as in my former neighbor in Franklin, Tennessee, before I moved back home. Although we had a few acres and a hill between us, separating our view of each other, land couldn't keep us from becoming pals. And neither could a six-hour drive, as we've stayed in touch. He's a graduate of the University of Southern California, even though we're Notre Dame fans. We, we somehow got through that, where he received his B.A. and Master's from a filmmaker to spreading the good news as he found his calling like for real and became a real reverend with a real church where Nashvilleians flock to see him now. He's been spending these times uh, lately furthering his theologian prowess and education in Boston. I want to catch up on that. And also, uh, with a middle name like Moses, I call it destiny. And Faith, please welcome an inspiration to me and my family and so many, Reverend David Perez. Hey, Davo. Oh, oh, buddy, that's, that's just listening to that. It's so kind, and it brings up so many memories of just uh, you and I, in a sense, talking over the back fence or just being <laughs> in your wonderful, warm home around your uh, killer kitchen with your great family. So. Oh. I'm good, man. I'm good. It's Christmas. Yeah, oh, good. Uh, I know. I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's talk about our times real quick. We're gonna. I want everybody to understand the ability uh, to get to know each other over meals. We had many meals, and it's not like potluck. Everybody no. wouldn't bring in prepared meals. We were preparing them together, so we'd all get our shopping list together. Uh, uh, our, our my agent Darren Murphy. Uh, remember Tom Storms, David Market, you, me, the group of us, and we would we'd cook, and yeah. and it was amazing. We called it Friday Night the Azars, and most of the time it wasn't on Friday, but it just stuck. But so many great meals and the ability to get to know each other, our families get to know each other, our kids playing together, amazing time, right? Buddy, I have such uh, great memories of that. And since you left our kind of neighborhood, we, we just really haven't done that. You were so catalytic. And I think what I really remember about that is is there was such an eclectic group of people. There could certainly be songwriters and musicians, but then there, I, I ran into several uh, NFL football players. Then there's just the person next door, and there's just <laughs> 
kinds of folks. Yeah, and I just remember cooking and eating. There was delightful talk, but then a number of the conversations I was involved in with many people, they could be deep, deep life issue, uh, life-on-life conversations. So, yeah, yeah, and you're right. It happened all around uh, these wonderful meals to enjoy. You're a good cook. You and your wife are killer (laughs) cooks, my man. We're half as good as David Market, Ben. That's another whole story. But Yeah, right. You know, know, and Darren Murphy, what a cook. But let me ask you this. Uh, by the way, Darren Murphy is uh, for people uh, are going. Who? Okay, Steve. Who's Darren Murphy? Darren Murphy is was agent of the year this past year. Represented me mm-hmm. for many years. Dear friend, Keith Urban, Darius Rucker, you name it. He's their guy, and he's such a great guy. And uh, it's it's funny because you talk about these deep conversations. I was an extremely lighthearted conversation. I'd look over, and everybody was taking their turn. It's my turn to go talk to David so he could fix us. That there, you were the constant therapist, and and I look back at my my time. I was going through some tough times, yeah. and you were always amazing. You always made me feel great, not good, about where I was, what I was going through. The ability to do that is that something that you've learned along the way. You felt like you were called to do. Were you that way when you were a kid? I mean, where did it come from? Well, I, I you know, as a kid, I think I was very much a kid. I was. Uh, having a lot of fun with friends and certainly obsessed with my life and future. But I think, you know, when I think back to those conversations and and still, listen, people are people. And when I ask people, listen, what is the, what is the thing that has given you the most joy in life? The answer will usually be, it has to do with people. They won't say it's a career move or some uh, success thing, though those are important and should be. But when I say, hey, what has made you, what has brought you the most blessing? The answer is it usually has something to do with people. When I ask people the contrarian side to that, what has broken your heart the most? What has hurt your life the most? It's the same answer. It's about people. And so that is kind of how I move and weave. And it's not just because I have these antennas. It's because I've experienced it myself. I mean, I have lived uh, the blessings of people. My heart has been broken in my relationships with people. Sometimes it's people breaking my own heart. Sometimes it's my own life. I've I've broken the heart of of people I care about. Mm -hmm. So that's really what it is. It just ends up being conversations about what people really experience and what is really uh, going on. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Now, I have a question. Who do you go to? I mean, mm-hmm. besides yeah. the man upstairs, but are there your either your wife, Liz, and what a great support she's right. always been. Just I always felt like she was your teammate, you know, like your partner, like your tailback. You were the quarterback mm-hmm. or, or vice versa. But the bottom line is, who do you go to? Yeah, well, you know, first to Liz, my, my wife. Well, she is, yeah, we... Yeah, she's a therapist, so she has some skill set that way. She's uh, been involved in Christian ministry, so she certainly has skill set that way. But, you know, Liz and I have lived real life, so we are partners and have a deep love for each other. But that is forged. That hasn't been magical. That That is something that we've built. So she, of course, yes, is a is a strong uh, support and player that way. But, you know, Steve, I have had friends, ministers, and therapists that um, 
mentors and healers in my life. So here I am a minister, right. but I've also sought therapy and, and, and a, a place to talk where somebody can just allow me to be real with no judgment, no agenda, and can help me to think and help me to feel. So it's been a, it's, and, and it's gone in different phases uh, of, of, of life. So, um, but, uh, but me staying close to people and friends and having safe places has been key. And, and that's another thing. I always encourage people, you need a safe place to be truly who you are. So whether that's one or two people, whether you have to go see your priest, your minister, your rabbi, your imam, um, uh, your reverend, or your therapist, it, we all need safe places. And that's what that is one of the things I remember about the gatherings in your house. They were just they were fun places, but they were safe. It was a safe space for people to be truly who they were. Wow, I love it. Well, man, I miss it so much. And the obviously the uh, real estate's gone up since we left. We had bad timing. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Buddy, if I sold my house, I couldn't even afford to buy my own house. That's how crazy it is. <laughs> I just love it. I, I just think it's absurd. It's pretty crazy. So for people that would, would die for a view when you came out of our houses, you saw right. it all. I mean, oh, you, right. we, we obviously had, we were privy uh, and blessed to see the sunrise and not the sunset. I didn't see the sunset. Did you, David? We, we were never, never. Saw no, it, no, I, no, I've never on my street. I still have never seen the sunset. But that's all right. You get one or the other. You know what the great thing about where I live, as flat as it is, it's amazing. You see the sunrise, and and instead of having what I call mountains, because they're mountains compared to the Delta, <laughs> I know they're the hills of of Tennessee. Right. But but um, we see the sunrise, and then we see it just lift over our pond. And we had ducks oh, flying in. We got these egrets. Yeah. I think I've named all the egrets, and uh, they were out there this morning actually. <laughs> And uh, we watch them. We watch them fish, and and then we see the sunrise, a sunset. Last night there was this ribbon, just this one single line in the sky, that was orangish pink, and it was just one streak, and then it was reflecting onto the pond. So there were two stripes, and I was mm. going, man, the glory of it all, and the right. just to be able to witness a new day and a and a day gone by. You know, it's just a sort of just a symbolic. Uh, uh, did you get something done that day? How did you feel? Were you good to people? I think that's a good way to go into the break. I'm with Reverend David Perez. He's a dear friend, and I'm just really feeling inspired like he's always made me do. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We're going to be right back. Hey, folks. If you're tired of being tired because your pillow isn't doing its job at night, give my buddy Chad and his team at OmniPillow a go. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy, and listen to this. They will donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal is to give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. You'll thank me, I promise. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com, enter promo code Steve Azar. That's OmniPillow.com, promo code Steve Azar, and you'll receive 20% off with free shipping. If you ask me, there's no better pillow on the planet. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
let go of the rope. I'm Steve Azar. We are with Reverend David Moses Perez. I just found out his middle name was Moses and it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, he, he kept that from me because once again, we were asking the questions, asking for help. And David was listening rather than going like, I'd like to tell you my problems. <laughs> so, hey, David, I'll never forget this. And, and this is how deep it went and how it affected not only my life, but it affected uh, my music. Uh, I remember the front door. Uh, you go, what are you going through? And I was going through a tough time. It was extremely tough to the point where it was personal. And I was, uh, I, it, it had made its way into my stomach and it was sickening. And people that go through really tough times in their life uh, and, and, and with close ones that have been in your life. And then all of a sudden, maybe there's separation and it's just horrible feeling. Uh, it, it, it makes its way. It's like a bad toothache, but it affects, you know, it affects your whole body and a heartache's worse. So I remember you going, Steve. You touched my head, and you said you're mad. You touched my heart, and you said you're sad. Now let go of the rope. And I went, what? And he goes, you've been playing tug-of-war your whole life. And, the, and I went, what? So, of course, I was inspired and went and wrote, called my buddy James House and said we were on a writing roll, and I said, we got to write this. And off of my Slide On Over Here record is one of my favorite songs called Let Go of the Rope, and it's inspired totally by that moment. You've got to be, to be able to let go of any rope I understand. If you're not tugging anymore, you kept saying, then they're not there to tug anymore. Eventually, it's just going to go away. But don't doesn't forgiveness have to come? Serious forgiveness, real forgiveness, to be able to let go of the rope. Yeah, it does. Uh, but it, I remember that time, and 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 um, I remember what you were uh, going through. But yes, for, but forgiveness is not a light switch. You go over to the wall and go. You know, I'm experiencing grief or grudge or resentment, and then somebody whispers a profound thing like forgiveness, but they whisper it as a platitude, like, you know what you need to do, man? You really need to forgive. And, like, you can just go over to some switch and flip. It, you know, listen, I'm a, I'm a minister. I'm a reverend. and I don't beat the people by just, like, a, an absolute you need to forgive. There's a whole process, and part of forgiving is you have to, you have to feel it. So the great Carl Jung, the great psychologist of the 19th century, he said, he said this, what you resist persists. It, in fact, it grows bigger. So what's natural is when we're feeling a grudge or going through a hard time, in our mind and heart, we can go, that's our enemy. I've got to get rid of this thing because this thing is ruining my life. So we resist it, right. thinking we're doing the right thing. But as we resist it, it actually continues to keep it to persist, and it actually grows bigger. But as we don't resist it, to your point and in in kind of our collide there about letting go of the rope, is, you know, you sort of have to make friends. You know, I am resentful, or, you know, I am hurt, or, you know, that did wreck me. And instead of resisting it, as you, in a sense, consent to it or allow it or really accept it, that's when you're able to then move through it, which then allows you to organically move to forgiveness. But when you just go, ah, I'm just caught up in a grudge, I've got to let go, and the, the good book says to forgive, I really need to forgive, that kind of mental talking through, that never works. That never works. One has to actually feel it. 
Like, I remember you going through that. You had to feel the angst. You had to be wrecked by it. Yeah. You had to confront everything from your anger to your grief. And it's really when you move towards those things that you're able to move through those things onto a, 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 a sunnier place. So I always say about life, you can't conclude things in life. You have to arrive at things at life. And arriving means you have to sometimes do the full 360. And so I remember, like, um, I used to, I, like, I, I grew up flying. Like, my parents took me on planes. Not, not a pilot. I wasn't a pilot. But as a young boy, they took me on planes, and I've been flying all my life, and I've loved it. I know nothing about the physics or aviation. I love hopping on a plane and flying and going somewhere. But when my kids were born, when my kids were born, I suddenly, I would jump on planes for work or ministry, and I suddenly would get afraid. I was suddenly afraid to fly with, as the plane experienced turbulence. I was right. suddenly experiencing fear, and I'm going, what is this? What is this new sudden fear? And it wasn't that I was actually afraid of flying. I, I go, if something happens to this plane, I, I have a, I, it's my wife, my kids, I don't want to lose them. So I noticed as there would be turbulence, I would resist. I would tense up and I'd go, this can't be happening or this has to get better. Or I would pray a desperate prayer, God, help me, you know, make sure this doesn't happen. And actually, the more I resisted it, the more it persisted, the more it became my enemy, like this mm. can't be happening. It actually made it grow bigger. So then eventually I, I go through this whole process I just explained and I go, I've got to fly. I've got to fly in this plane just like I ride my in my boat, which I've, I've got to be on top of the waves. I have to move through. I have to consent to it. I have to allow it. And the more I just allowed this in my life and consented to the turbulence, so to speak, in right. my life, it'll, and, and actually faced it, I actually moved through it. So we all have turbulence. We all have waves. We all go through storms. And, and what you did, what I remember you did, was you just finally let go yeah. of the rope. And I, I remember giving you that illustration that, you know, when you're in a tug-of-war, if you just drop your end of the rope, which is, in a sense, con you're consenting, you're, yeah. you're allowing, you're accepting. It's tough. That you also, this thing you were going through also had, was meaningful to you. Right. And you wanted some resolve in it. And, um, and so I just think, you know, I just encourage uh, the people in my life, my congregation, that when it comes to issues, the waves, the turbulence, the storms, the bad flights of life is you don't run from these things. You don't move. You move towards them. Talking to Reverend David Moses Perez, my man, my former neighbor, always my neighbor in my heart. And uh, <laughs> and you know, it, the the thing about writing songs is, uh, first of all, uh, I learned not to force things. So when you inspired me that way i've always been built that way to run to to when it's time to go right you know and so yeah. that's always been a, a major it's been therapy for me always because i'm able to go in and once i write it i'm able to dig further into what you in 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 that inspiration there's another song called empty spaces that my dad called about a dream they're just two incredible memories that now i, I sort of live by so when I wake up in the morning, or I go through some sort of trouble or I see someone uh, that is, uh, you know, that I'm having issues with or whatever I see in my mind, I see it's just written across 
in front of me, let go of the rope, or I'll see yeah. there are no more empty spaces. And a couple of songs that I'll never forget. I mean, they're they're the the gems, couple of gems of my of my writing life. So understand that that was an abil- the ability to go in and write about what you just said was a big help too, because I was able to pursue that feeling further knowing that now I had a road to to go down, to travel down that I hadn't been traveling on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you used a word several times about your writing is you had to feel it. Right. And I think so many times, listen, I'm I'm a Christian minister, and I think what's accidentally happening has happened is we have asked people to detach from how they feel. Because we're afraid to feel. We're afraid. We might feel bad. Or one of the fears we have is, oh, no, if I start to feel this sadness, oh, no, this is where I will get stuck. So sometimes people even use religion. Uh, you know, faith and religion is a good thing. But sometimes people can actually use platitude religion, you know, just quoting sayings and verses or platitudes to escape something. And, you know, when I look at the life of Jesus, when I look at the Advent story, when I think of the Christmas story, uh, these are people who deeply felt. So I guess it's one of the gifts you have as an artist as you go into a writing room. Uh, You have to actually confront part of writing, part of putting your heart in lyrics and notes is you're feeling it. That's why we love songwriters. That's why we love authors and playwrights is they help us feel. So feeling and feeling your feelings is a key to healing. It is. It is. So sometimes people go, oh, no, what's wrong with my faith? I'm feeling sad. What's wrong with my faith? I should be over this by now. And I just encourage people, no, 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 no. No, you got to feel it, man. you got to feel it. This is how we heal. And so that's probably what songwriting, right, helps yeah. you do, is, yeah. is to feel it. We're talking to Reverend David Perez. David, you get to play. Speaking of art and music, we are the birthplace of American music. So when I left Music City, I went to even a higher ground, even though it's flat. But you know what I'm saying. Or some of the, we still have hills. So you get to play DJ. So would you like <laughs> to hear a little Sam Cooke or Charlie Pride? Oh, man, I am a huge Sam Cooke. I like Charlie Pride, too, but I, I want to hear some Sam Cooke. Come on, give you me got some it. Sam Cooke. We're with the fabulous, wonderful, inspirational Reverend David Perez. You're on Super Talk Mississippi. You're in the Mississippi Minute. Stand by. Now I find myself wanting to marry you and take you home. I know, I know, I know. Send me, I know you Send me, oh, oh, Send me, honest, you do In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar Right here on Super Talk Mississippi I'm Steve Azar. We are with Reverend David Perez, my old neighbor, uh, still my neighbor in my heart and soul, and uh, and I appreciate you taking the time, uh, an entire Mississippi minute, which takes a while, uh, to to be with me today. I know you're furthering your education, so let's go back for a second. USC Film School. You went to film. You were a filmmaker, right? 
Well, I was I was actually my actual major was I was a literature major, English literature, because okay. I wanted to be a film writer. And then my minor is cinema studies. Yes, okay. but I studied at the University of Southern California. Are you okay? one of our biggest foes is Notre Dame? Right. And I was going to ask Notre you, Dame. are you okay with the outcome this year? You going you survived? You okay? Yeah. No, I'm. I'm. Uh, yeah, still having, still having issues. And then we also lost to UCLA. So no, it's, it's going to be a tough holiday. <laughs> I love it. We we enjoyed each other so much. Uh, I did, you know, it would be typical. You guys would have sport, spoiled my dad and my brother. You know, actually, my 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 nephews are both there. One's a cheerleader at Notre Dame, and one's the manager of the football team. So it's Aww. it's interesting. You would have really wrecked their Christmas. So I appreciate you. Right. <laughs> this I, yeah, one, you sure. had to, we had to all yeah, sacrifice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, buy him the gift that keeps. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so David, you go to USC. Yep. You're making so how active were you? Because you're a great filmmaker, and I've seen you incorporate this in your sermons. Um, it adds such an element, a visual element, besides hearing somebody talk. You love music. You've had Lionel Cartwright. I don't know if Lionel's still doing things with you. Oh yeah. Um, yep, so you have hit artists. I mean, I mean, it's an amazing, it's an amazing experience, uh, a moving experience to go see you on Sunday. So tell me, uh, how active are you still? And then was that something you did? As did you grow up like our boys? Obviously, you mentored Strack, our son, who's in West Hollywood now, and your son Sam. They both are award-winning young filmmakers, and uh, and fighting their way through. Uh, yeah. And so you're you're responsible for that. In fact, I'm thinking that you need to pay the bills next month for Strack. No, I'm kidding. He's doing his, he's doing it on his own. I'm proud of him. But you you Buddy, were such I, a big I, influence. Well, it was fun to make uh, uh, films on the, in our street and in our woods and our backyards with those guys <laughs> as they were growing up. So, but they've certainly surpassed me. And I saw your son Strack's reel. Both Sam and I watched it. And we go, whoa, Strack has gotten good he's getting good but to your point about being a kid um in film or movies listen my sanctuary growing up was not a church house it was not a house of worship my sanctuary as a kid was a movie theater and the home i grew up in the home i grew up in was a, it was very detached emotionally so there wasn't abuse or uh, you know, when you think of rage or meanness, it was just it was just a very detached, emotional place. Now, as a kid, I wasn't in touch with that. But as I've gotten older and I reflect on that, my love for movies, what really, that's what it was. I think I would go into a movie house. I would have my mom drop me off at a Saturday matinee alone. And... I would just sit there, you know, when you kind of pay for one ticket and then you go up and down the hall and you keep going into movie theaters all day. I would like pay one price and then stay there all day. But wow. what movies did, what movies did was they helped me feel. So as I, as I got to see characters on a screen, so it wasn't just movies or the technique of filmmaking. It's probably even before you became a songwriter. There's a technique to songwriting. Oh, yeah. But you listen to music as a kid, and it took you someplace. You found your story, and you found your thoughts and feelings in songs. It, it, wasn't, it had nothing to do with the craft of songwriting. It, the art made you feel. It, right. it brought you someplace. So the same thing. So movies, my love for movies came 
because I, I would find my own story in characters on the screen, or I would, it would help me feel. It would, it would help me feel sadness. It would help me feel joy. Um, it would help me work through or deal with relational things. And that's where my love for movies came. So as I incorporate that now into my ministry, um, and I started a series years ago, uh, years ago, 25 years ago, I used to call it God at the Movies. Hmm. And I would bring in, I would bring in, um, like Hollywood films that people saw, I would show clips, I would show about 45 minutes of the movie within the church service, and then just kind of tell their story, tell a spiritual story, using this first-run Hollywood film they 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 have, uh, uh, that they knew. And now pastors all over this country are doing series uh, like this called At the Movies. And uh, yeah, movies are still a powerful way to, t- to tell stories. Well, that stories. impact it had on you, it never left you. I mean, it's never. still there, and it's still a huge part of your life, and now you're getting to share it with yeah. an entire very large congregation. That's in the world now, because you via the web and all that, but does that does that just you look back and you go, oh that mattered, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did. It did, and it and it's it, it's I'm I'm in, I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm so embarrassed, wonderfully embarrassed to admit this to you. I this is what I love because we're in the golden age of television, so now you can binge watch television that's yeah. at Netflix. <laughs> okay, so Liz and I, my wife Liz and I, we are way into this show called Call the Midwife. Me, I'm in a show about babies being born. But uh, man, if people have not seen this show, call the midwife. It's a I'm writing it right now. Show. Call. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting here on... busy watching Mad Men and Ozark. So you got something probably with some. Yeah. <laughs> well, call, call well, the I, midwife. Yeah, I would, I would call the midwife. It's a British show. Yeah. And it's just a wonderful show about life and people and and family and faith and hurt and grief and redemption and so anyway yes the 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 scriptures you know we're coming into the christmas season and we'll tell the christmas story so it's still a story still stories about people right are what are redeeming in our life whether they're in song whether they're in the scriptures whether they're in movies or whether it's a friend you're going to coffee with a friend and you're going man tell me your story tell me your story right that's uh, that was that's what those dinners were at your house it yeah. was people it would be tell me tell me this tell me your story man well, i know you were on you were on duty you were on call you should have charged everybody <laughs> no. you, we should have had a little collection plate <laughs> yeah hey yeah. hey so let's talk about sermons and stuff because you're 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 doing this what inspires you to go in and prepare and what's the process of preparing for mm. for a sunday oh man that is such a great question all right which usually is a key to uh there's going to be a very disappointing answer <laughs> so it's 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 like I, i'm guessing so what do i know but it'd be like guessing if somebody goes to you steve how do you write a song and you go there's no one way there's no one way so yes to everything you said sometimes it's a certain passage that i go this has deep um deep things to share with people yes and then you study that passage and you bring it forth in a relevant way 
sometimes it is what is going on in culture and and something and you kind of see that pang in your congregation like now these are very divisive times right we oh. live in a very polarized time so yes yeah, so i've done a series on let's address that sometimes it's something going on in my own life it's this is what i'm feeling it this is what i'm experiencing and so i take that risk of is anybody else experiencing this? And then sermon preparation becomes cathartic. So it is all kinds of ways. Of course, it involves lots of reading and studying and, and preparation. But how that sermon comes to be, what it, what it is, it's just being in tune with your own heart. So I try to make sure I practice quietness and mindfulness and devotion I listen, um, and yeah, it, it is about being in tune with your own heart. Now, that's something I've had to learn over the years, and that's something uh, that I do better at certain times. There's times my own life is noisy, and, and absolutely. So there's all kinds of ways how that comes about. I love it. We're talking to Reverend David Perez, my pal. Uh, I feel as good as I can possibly feel right now, but we're not done with an entire Mississippi Minute. You're on Super Talk Mississippi. Stand by. I'm Billy Kinder, host of Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. Hear the show Saturdays at 1, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Turkeys, whitetail, Grenada Lake crappie, or Gulfport redfish. We enjoy it all, especially when you're in camp with us on Super Talk Mississippi. Saving you money, I'm Linda Bell with the Fox Business Network. What's the secret to repaying student loans? Antoine Oakley at Sally May says it's important to understand your commitment and how it fits into your budget. Knowing how much you owe and whom you owe is important because you need to understand if, if your loans are federal, if they're private. You need to know how much you owe, including any accrued interest. Enrolling in auto debit can ensure you will never miss a payment or incur any late fees. Oakley says you can cut down on what you owe by using all or part of a cash windfall, such as a tax refund. He says it also makes sense to pay a little extra every month. This could allow you to pay off your loans faster, but it also could allow you to pay less and save some uh, money on that as well. He says thinking long-term is also essential. This has to do with building a favorable credit history. Paying on time and consistently can help students establish that. Saving you money, I'm Linda Bell, Fox News. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We are with Reverend David Perez, my old neighbor. David, you're continuing your education. You've been going to Boston. Was there a master plan? Because as our Cecilia goes off to college next year, I need to know the method because I know you. Now I know Sophie, your baby girl, is in at Boston University. Was there a plan that you'd be able to go to lunch with her all the time? I need to understand this. <laughs> right, right. No, I wound it up. I, so I'm in Boston too. I'm on the other side of the of the river uh, at Harvard. And no, I started I started working on another at a, on a master's at Harvard before. 
she arrived there. In fact, that's how it happened. So if Sophie was in Cecilia's place, I could, by the way, I can't believe that that's, that, that cute little girl that lived next door to us, knee high, is on her way to college. And Sophie's but, in college. It's crazy to me. It's nuts, buddy. It's yeah. just the yeah. world keeps yeah. turning. But Ooh. And I've done everything. I've put books on their heads. I've done everything <laughs> to stop them growing, and nothing's worked. <laughs> so, so what has happened was Sophie, my daughter Sophie, is just a city sophisticate. She was like, Dad, I, I think I want to go to a college in a city. And she, she just had a more urban bent to her. Right. So as I, was, as I would find myself in Boston pretty regularly, uh, I said, Sophie, there is a great school in Boston, at Boston University. And she came up uh, with me and took a tour and liked it, applied. And, uh, you know, it's a challenging school, BU. And she got in. She got in. Wow. So, yeah, so I'm traveling up to Boston less. I still go up there. I'm not quite done with my work uh, in Cambridge. But, uh, yes, you bet. When If I'm there, if she's across the river, yeah, we... we uh, Smart, we go smart get a man. Roll. Absolutely. Smart man. I'm in this one class now. I can be sitting in my office in Nashville watching a four camera shoot <laughs> class. I push a button on my computer, and the professor in Cambridge goes, Yes, David, what's your question? <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. And I crazy. ask it. Yeah, I don't type it, I ask it. How do you yeah. get the message across in a day when it's texting, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, uh, Snapchat, Twitter? Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to the top of our conversation and our uh, both of our memories of dinner at your home, listen, you can get content anywhere. It's like, why, why do we still go listen to live music? I can listen to it on my headphones. Right. Because there's something about that experience. There's something about when you're together so i don't i yeah you can listen to me on the internet uh, what i'm talking about authors are writing about books so absolutely you can get the content anywhere but what you can't get is the people connection what you can't get is the story you can't tell me your story so actually sparrow day has a a, a tagline and it's where your story finds a home right so sparrow day is a is a place that you know, I need to be part of a church that loves all the people I love. A lot of times, church and faith can be, here's the people we accept, mm-hmm. here's the people we don't accept, here's what makes you a member of the club, here's what gets you kicked out of the club, and we don't want to be anything part of that. We, I, I need to go to a church that loves all the people right. I, love. I love. And that. by all, I mean all of them. Right. So, you know, about you coming into Christmas, and, and Christmas is about love, and, and Christmas is the story of uh, a God who came to this earth because he loves all people. So that's the story we're trying to tell. Wow, I love today. it. I love it. Well, and you have Sylvan, Sylvan Park meeting three still. You can go straight. You can get your soul fed, and then you can get your your stomach fed with Silver Park. I mean, meat and three right, meals I'll, did we I'll, eat? I'm, <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna give you the bad news. I'm gonna give you the bad oh. news. So the the uh, meat and three in Sylvan Park has been leveled, and Edley's oh. Barbecue oh. has built a brand new facility there. But Steve, the pork tacos at Edley's are out of this world. Well, there you go. All right, I can <laughs> I can go with that. Just you know, yeah. 
<laughs> Don't be destroying all yeah. my memories while I'm gone. My uh, goodness. I know, I, well, I have nothing to do with <laughs> I know, this I know. city. It's growing. <laughs> I know you did. It is yeah. growing. Well, hey, I can't thank you enough for taking a Mississippi uh-huh. minute with me. I, I mean, spending that, it's been such so great catching up. And uh, I love you, pal. And I just I really appreciate you taking the time. And, and hugs to Liz and Sam and Sophie. And, and uh, I just I miss you, buddy. Oh, I miss you too, Steve. And let me just say this. Why I miss you is you brought such joy into my life. And you are a real and authentic person. And there is something about your heart that is captivating and just people get around you they they just lift and you have been a lifter in my life so i equally love you and miss you and glad we're still in touch absolutely that means the world uh we gotta you gotta we gotta come visit i want to bring you to mississippi have you been to mississippi yet uh, yes, I've traveled through, but no, I, 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 I go whenever I'm watching your, uh, you know, your Instagram. I go, I want to go to the Delta. <laughs> well, you got to come I visit. Want... We got room, All right, baby? We got All a right, pond. Baby. We got a pool. We can get either one of them. Hey, let me ask you one last question. Is uh, I have a question, um, and it's leaving me, but it was important about. Well, here, let's just go. Hey, I'm Steve Azar. You've been in an entire Mississippi Minute with my pal, Reverend David Perez. Thanks for tuning in. Be safe and be blessed. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.